everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church. Today, we're going to hear an interview between Nick Gibson, our lead pastor, and Dr. Hamoz Shariat, the founder of Iran Alive Ministries. He shares some very powerful stories, like how he came to Christ and how his ministry started. We'll get another chance to hear from Dr. Shariat this Sunday, June 21st, during our 9 a.m. service at highpointchurch.org live. So make sure to tune in for that. As always, if you've got a question about what you heard, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Nick Gibson. This is the Engage and Equip podcast. I am here today with Dr. Hormuz Shariat. He is a leader of a ministry that functions um, to use te- um, um interspace satellite technology to um, beam both content and fellowship and training to Christians in Iran. The church in Iran is growing rapidly, but the amount of churches in Iran is not growing rapidly, as one of the videos on his website says. And that's one of the the ministry operations he's working in, but he's also got a story, a story that's connected with High Point. And he'll be speaking to our church on June 21st, my 43rd birthday. And um, I want you to get some exposure to him before he comes, and hopefully it'll cause you to listen intently to him now and then. So, Dr. Shriya, welcome. We're really glad to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Nick, to allowing me to share. Great things are happening. <laughs> Good. Well, let's dive into some fun stuff about your story. So, you you came to Christ at some point, and at some point, Nate Mirza, a missionary our, our church has supported for a long decades, has was part of your story. So, maybe you could tell how those two stories come together or each one separately, whichever one works best. Well, yeah, they come together after I came to Christ. I met him uh, shortly after, but I was born in uh, in an Islamic uh, country, an Islamic family. I was pretty devout in my early years, but when I grew up to be uh, my teenage years, I I said, this Islam doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't do anything to me personally. It's just uh, uh, repeating and memorizing and repeating these prayers doesn't add anything to my life. So I focused on science. I wanted to come to U.S. That was my dream, to come to U.S., get a Ph.D., become a research scientist, and live on the American dream. And uh, I, was, I worked hard towards that, and I was achieving it. Uh, at the time of Revolution, 79, I was uh, just graduating. I was uh, in Tehran. I was on the streets of Tehran and shouting, death to America, death to America. Um, of course, I want to assure you, I've repented of that, and I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think God bless America today, and I mean it. This is a great country. I think sometimes people like me who come from other countries appreciate what we have in the U.S. more than many of those who are born here. So um, I came to U.S. for graduate studies, for get a Ph.D. I went to University of Southern California, um, and studied uh, um, computer science in the graduate studies. Um, I wrote my dissertation in artificial intelligence. It was a novel ideas those days. Now it's yeah. coming to, to fruitation. Now it's becoming uh, products. In the next five years, I think uh, artificial intelligence is going to change the world. Five to ten years, you're going to see that. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh as I was a student, uh, revolution happened. I came at the time of revolution. I said, oh, my gosh, look what Islam is doing. Oh, Islam is taking over the world. God must be with it. It's defeating superpower USA, and it's uh, kicked out the Shah. So 
maybe I was too young to decide. Maybe I should go back to my roots and become a good Muslim. But I said, but I tried it. It didn't do anything for me. So I said, I'm going to study. I'm going to study Quran objectively as a scientist, as a researcher. Mm -hmm. And if I find something there to be true, I'm going to dedicate my life there. Um, so I got a Quran. I read it one more time. I, I knew a lot about it, but it didn't satisfy my heart, my soul. Out of my intellectual pride, which says, which I said, how can you be a scientist and researcher and just decide on such a big topic by reading one book? Researchers read several books, then they decide. So out of my own intellectual pride, I got a Bible. I said, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it fast. And I know everything in it because Islam is the last religion, the most complete religion. And I read Genesis and I, I jumped to Matthew. I said, let's look, look at what Jesus says. And I had I, I didn't have courses. It was a summer, and uh, I had I was dedicating like sixteen hours a day trying to find God. So I said, I'm going to read the whole Bible in three days because I know it. <laughs> so I, I, we're going to just three sixteen hour day, just finish it, and so I can proudly tell people I read the Bible. Right. And when I jumped to Matthew, I struggled with Jesus. Oh my gosh, every word. Well, who is this Jesus? His words are beautiful. I've never heard this before. Sermon on the Mount. So I wanted to read the whole, the Bible, whole Bible three days. Three months later, I was in Matthew 5 struggling with every verse. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh, my God. What do I do with Jesus? You can't reject him and you cannot accept him. Did you find, did you find that the kind of writing through you because i've read the quran four or five times and it's you know it's all surahs it's all songs right and it's it's this lyrical poetry it's very it's like very repetitive it's a certain kind of genre like kind of writing and then you get into the gospels and it's the story like it's telling you the story and that it's a very different thing you're just you're just reading a very different way of engaging did, did that affect you a lot do you think uh, you made a quran Kind of, yeah. or the yeah. Bible. Yeah, because the Quran is all written in like Psalms, essentially, in surahs. Yeah, like, well, the Quran is a different story. There is a logic to the Bible. There is a storytelling and a, and a progression uh, right. in the Bible. The Quran, every verse jumps around at different topics and different things. It's very confusing. Uh, you read the Bible, read Quran. It's it's a hard to read book, and of mm -hmm. course, there's one third of it is about violence in, in some kind of violence, and mm -hmm. the Bible, especially New Testament, talks about uh, love, kindness, forgiveness. All those concepts, pretty much non-existent or very rarely mentioned in the Quran. It's mostly violence and hatred there. And I'm saying that uh, when I say that, I have to say the truth in love. You know, when sometimes when I say that about Islam, they feel, oh, there's an Islam hater, you know. I've, mm -hmm. I love Muslims. I've given my life to, to serve yeah. them. So, uh, yeah, and you would say that there are many, many Muslims that behave very lovingly as people and that they show great hospitality. But you're just saying in the Quran itself, that's right. that in the Quran there is a lot of discussion of exactly. domination and violence and things like that. Exactly. And those, yeah, uh, I don't want to go in different the direction about Islam and Christianity. Yeah. So you are, okay, so you're, in, you're, you're in Matthew 5 three months later and yeah. you just keep so, trying to grapple with Jesus' teachings. I couldn't find answers. I, I The more I compared, the more uh, I saw 
that they're different. You know, as an intellectual, and even today, some people think that way, that all religions are the same. Mm-hmm. Why do they fight? And if you really study them, they all converge. Right. That's what I was thinking. But the more sincerely, objectively, I compare them, they did not converge. Totally different. So I was struggling. Which one is true? Both cannot be true. I couldn't reject uh, Islam. I couldn't accept Islam. I couldn't reject Christ or, or accept. Just And for a scientist, for an engineer type, that's torture. You can get to the part of it. Okay, I've got to decide. What's the truth? Answer, so yeah. It took me several months. And at the same time, the Lord was working on my wife. Uh, we were getting a divorce. And, um, and uh, the Lord provided a janitor. We were getting divorced and she was uh, depressed. So she would stay at the office long night. She didn't want to come home. And um, we had set a date for divorce. And there was this janitor at 10 p.m. every night would come to get the garbage. And he would see this sad lady and he had compassion on her and would bring her food, make her coffee. And he was from Guatemala and he couldn't speak English. So he went and learned one sentence, Nick, (laughs) from his friends. He came one night and told my wife, Jesus loves you. Oh, man. How is that about evangelism? We, we don't have any excuse for evangelism. He didn't know the language. And he, he evangelized my my wife by being kind and tell Jesus loves you. So she, uh, she would come home and say, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to see which one is truth. He said, there is a janitor who is uh, inviting us to the church. He said, let's go. I can't find answers. Let's go see what they say. So is your uh, is your wife Iranian in no, descent? She's American. That's a different story. Okay. She is a, she is a she was a nominal Christian. She came to Iran, a brave young lady. We met in Iran. We oh, wow. we married in Iran. She became a Muslim in Iran and we got married. And by the way, 79, she was with me on streets of Tehran. Here is young American girl shout, with with hijab, with covering. She was shouting, with me, death to America. And I think I hear that a lot these days. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, maybe not with those words, but I see some kind of hatred among some people towards Mm -hmm. America, and I'm shocked. (laughs) I don't think they don't know what's going on around the world. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, she, she, she is American, but she speaks perfect Farsi. She was in Iran. She learned Farsi. And she serves the Lord with me. So we canceled. We, she came to Christ. I came to Christ. I went to Church of the Open Door, downtown Los Angeles. That's where I heard the gospel. Uh, and four weeks, I just heard it. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, how simple this message of gospel is. Even a child can understand. I feel sometimes the engineers, scientists, our job is to make things complicated, simple things complicated. This is simple. You're... You know, God created you and loves you, and you cannot reach him because you're not perfect, and he is. And because he loves you and you cannot reach him, he reached out to you. Is that hard to understand? But that simple message I believed in and changed my life. And I felt if I keep that to myself, it's selfish. And I hope everybody feels that way. I got to share that with others. Now, here comes Nate Mirza. 
I'm two two weeks old in the Lord. Just know I know something has happened in my heart. I don't know what what it is. Just know I have a new life. Uh, what what is this new life supposed to be? How should it look like? What is a Christian? Uh, what changes do I need to make in my life? So here come Nate as a missionary, supported by that church also, Church of the Open Door. Where, that's where Jay Vernon McGee was the previous pastor. He, he's still on the radio. So and I was at uh, end of summer, and uh, he asked me, met him. He said, can you take me uh, around? I speak several places. So I said, sure. I became his chauffeur for two, three days, taking him and speaking and watching him impacted my life. His love for the Lord, love for the people, speaking the truth clearly with love in those meetings. That image stayed with me until today. And I, I tell you why, because along the way you meet Christians that you say, is he a Christian? He confesses to be Christian. But he beats up his wife. He's a confessed Christian, but he doesn't do anything for the Lord. Just comes to church and goes home. Is this Christianity? Is this Christianity? And my answer was always no. The true Christian is that Nate that I met for three days. That's the model. That's the true Christianity. Don't look at these others who claim to be Christian and they don't walk the talk. Because Nate walked the talk and... So I tell Nate, uh, that three days impacted my life for years, even today. That's a model. That, that's where Nate comes in. That's great. So did your wife come to faith at the same time as you? Yeah, two weeks earlier than I. Yeah, okay. she went to church. She heard the gospel. She responded right away. Yeah. And did your marriage get better right away, or was it a long haul trying a to figure long- that out? Long, long haul. Actually, bet, yeah. we didn't change overnight. We were struggling, and we got to the date. We had set the date, October 1st. We're going to go our separate ways, and we got saved in uh, August. So here is October 1st. Day. So okay, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go. You know, in Islam, it's so easy to get divorced. You know? No yeah. big problem, especially for men. So I always thought, okay, let's get divorced. Let's solve this problem in my life. You know, in some countries, uh, Islamic countries, all you need to do is to put uh, the shoes of your wife outside the door and she's done, you know, just say <laughs> or say three times, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you three times. It's legal in, in some Islamic countries. So I thought, oh, a casualty. Yeah, okay. We, we, okay, we are Christians now, but we still major problems in our marriage. So let's go on our way. And then I heard Malachi verse, I had never heard it. I hadn't read the whole Bible yet. Did you know, did you know God hates divorce? Really? Yeah, here it is. Well, my gosh, God hates divorce. Now what am I going to do? I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life, you know, with this woman. And uh, so, but by faith, we decided to stay together and it wasn't an overnight. It took years to gradually improve. But the Lord used that marriage suffering. I think sometimes mm-hmm. marriage could be a place where you grow. You're, you're shaped by force. You're shaped to be more and more like, like Jesus. It was hard, but over the years, the Lord uh, was gracious to us. Yeah, I feel like people, sometimes American, I feel like non-Christians sometimes don't understand 
why staying together when it's very difficult matters. But when you say, well, the number one goal for a believer is for God to make you holy. And going through all those years, yes, our marriage got better, but that the greater gain was Christ formed in each of us as we had to fight through that. And that you get this great, this great treasure of godliness, not just the end of having a good marriage, you know? Awesome. Beautiful. You put it in such beautiful words. I'm I'm touched. (laughs) Okay. So how did you go from that moment to, I'm going to start a ministry to Muslims, specifically trying to target Muslims in Iran? Well, Holy Spirit in me was saying, don't, you don't keep that to yourself. You got to share with others. And for an engineer uh, type of introvert for me, that was torture because <laughs> I, I would rather spend time with books than people. And yeah. and here I was supposed to go and talk to people about Christ. I read, So I was tortured if I spoke. I was so sweaty and I tortured when I didn't speak because the Holy Spirit said, you got to share this. You got to share this. So I started sharing the gospel with Muslims. At those days, it was so hard. Um, Iranians came to Christ once every few months of hard work. Now, Nick, it's such a different story. One message, hundreds come to Christ. One short message. So uh, that's how it started. Uh, I I shared the gospel. One event, tragic event, gave me a vision for my life. Uh, My brother, who was 16 years old in Iran, uh, he got arrested by Iranian government on minor political charges. Uh, He was a part of a political group, a 16-year-old, just doing nothing, just being a part. They arrested him. They kept him in jail um, and uh, for two years. When my mom visited him, they would say, oh, he's doing okay, he's doing okay, we're gonna release him, he's okay. But when he turned 18, one uh, day they called my mom. Um, we just executed him. We just shot him. Come and get his body. And when my mom went to get uh, my brother's body, they they charged her for the bullets. They charged her for the cost of killing her son. And so when I heard that, I just started, God, I prayed for her, him two years. Why didn't you answer why is such a cruelty and injustice in the world? What do I need to do? This is not fair. And I said, those three days of mourning, just presence of God, just asking, what is this, God? And I felt first feel of, a feeling of revenge. I'm going to take revenge of those who killed my brother. But I felt, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Um, the Bible says revenge is mine. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. It's, uh, that's not my job to do it. But God, you know, uh, I hate him. I hate him. Oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to hate anybody, even love my enemies. So, okay, I can't do that. Um, um, Lord, uh, I'm, I'm angry. I'm really angry at this. Oh my gosh, I can't be angry. If you're angry at somebody, you've killed them in, in your heart. What kind of faith have I got into? I can't express what I feel. I said, God, can I at least cuss so I can feel better? And <laughs> No, no. <laughs> With your mouth, you, you, the mouth that you worship, you cannot cuss. You can't even cuss in in your Christian faith. So I say, God, what do you want me to do? And this is what I felt in prayer. I felt God told me. He said, you, those people who killed your brother, they are not your enemies. There is only one enemy, and that's Satan. 
they're victims in the hands of your enemies. And you need to love them and you need to share the gospel with them. Have compassion on them. They themselves are tools in the hands of enemies. Another thing happened those three days. Just I felt, God, okay, I'm going to dedicate my life to sharing your word because I see the power. It's changing me. I see uh, the power to change lives, even change nations. So I said, God, I want to dedicate my life. By the end of my life, I want to be an instrument of one million Muslims hear the gospel through me. I had no idea how it's going to happen, but uh, God knew. So that was a covenant that I'm going to share the gospel. And hopefully by the when I go from here, I, one million have heard the gospel. And by the way, we've we've passed that many mm-hmm. times over. God is great through media. Through you know, we have a satellite broadcast twenty four seven. We beam into the Middle East, and millions have heard the gospel uh, over the last few years. We have uh, we have the names of about forty thousand Muslims who have called to pray with us, even though our phones are uh, blocked. The, probably the, the number of people who have come to Christ is 10 times that many, but we have the names of 40,000. So uh, that dedication saying, God, use me, I think you just say, God, use me. He will open the doors. That's, I mean, that's, there's so much to say about that story. I, I don't want to take the, take time from you telling more. Um, that's such a tragedy to, to, I think so many Americans, like Americans right now are having, huge demonstrations about police injustice and so on in the United States. And just for them to hear a story about a 16 year old kid getting thrown in jail for two years and then just summarily killed. And then instead of the police being held responsible and you being paid millions of dollars in wrongful death, they charge you for the bullets, your mom. I mean, like, I think it is helpful. Sometimes Americans want to say, yeah, we have a country that's good in certain ways, but we want it to be so much better. So, we are unhappy with America. And I think the perspective that immigrants bring oftentimes is you have no idea what is happening in the rest of the world. (laughs) Like America is fantastic compared to that. And I, I think we can still want a better America in ways America can improve. You know, even if you have a good marriage, you can want it to be better. But I think sometimes it's important for people to hear what the kind of story you're telling. And then to realize that the difference Christ makes that to say that God doesn't want you to hate your enemy he right. doesn't even want you to curse them, but he wants you to recognize that they are in the hands of your greater enemy, you know, and that you should seek to liberate them. Yeah. You know, everything and in, in what I found in Christian faith, everything, everything is based on love. So, you know, salvation. So God so loved the world. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. Love your enemies. Overcome the evil with good. Um Love those who persecute you. So when we hate the haters, we are adding to hate. You know, so no matter what your reason is just or unjust, hating adds hate to this world. And we need to um, confront the evil, the injustice. I think we Christians need to be at the forefront, just like, Martin Luther King was, and uh, others, we have to be, we Christians have to be at the forefront of when I, we see injustice, but not with the um, mindset of hate, not with, you know, when our people, like 
their demonstrations in Iran, and uh, and pe people are being killed on the streets in Iran. The young people being shot. And Christians ask, what should I do? He said, you can go out and demonstrate, but never say death to anybody. That's Our message is not death to anybody. Uh -huh. Our message is love. So I, I think in America, we need to address the justice, but don't answer hate by hate. I see hatred on both sides, and that's not God, and it's not going to end well. You, you add hate to hate, and nothing is going to get solved. It gets hate from hate. It gets to violence. Mm -hmm. Hatred turns into violence on the both sides. So we don't want to go that way. So the, the ministry that you're leading now, um, for those who are listening, um, IranAliveMinistries.org, IranAliveMinistries.org. Do you want to tell us a little bit about like what your ministry model is, how you chose to try to reach as many Muslims as possible, especially utilizing technology? So I, I started sharing the gospel of Southern California. Some people came to Christ. I got... I graduated. I found a good research job in Northern California, Silicon Valley, uh, Lockheed Artificial Intelligence Center. I loved the job. And at the same time, evangelized. Many Muslims came to Christ. Oh, my gosh. People are coming to Christ. Planted a church there and uh, multiple churches. At one time, the Lord called me to ministry saying, I want to save Iran. And I'm giving you the honor to be a part of it. So uh, uh, switched to focusing on church planting, planted several churches in Northern California. And then I said, you got to go to Iran. How are we going to do that? Oh, my gosh, satellite. Satellite television was booming in the uh, 90s. So we bought one hour of airtime from a secular channel. And we broadcast into Iran. The day, it was right after September 11, 2001, we broadcast into Iran. From day one, there were our switchboard was lit like a Christmas tree. People were calling, and they were hungry. Many were coming to Christ. And uh, so many people came to Christ. The, the phones were not blocked then, so we were leading people to Christ day and night. I remember waking up 3 a.m. because they were in Iran. It's like afternoon. They don't know you're, you're asleep. They're, it's their afternoon. Call 3 a.m. You wake up. You share the gospel. You lead somebody to Christ. You go back to bed. I mean, that was our lifestyle those days. So uh, so many uh, so many came to Christ and um, uh, through television, and we, we expanded it. I remember doing satellite. We, you know, the station owner gave us the worst time. He, he, he kept the best time, best time for himself. Uh, the prime time was him. So he sold us the worst time, which was 6 a.m. in the morning. And we had to pay for it. So we would go 6 a.m. Uh, to do broadcasts. And again, so many people coming, uh, calling. And he was saying, you get more phone calls than I do in the prime time. So uh, the hunger was there. I, that funny thing. Uh, there were some programs, art uh, uh, entertaining programs before us and sometimes we were sitting there ready to go live on the air and they had this belly dancing kind of sensual uh, programming before us we had no control over it of course and mm -hmm. my uh, co-pastor said we have to protest we have to tell them don't do that before our program don't do that i said no no don't say that they gathered the crowd 
Then we tell them the gospel. Let, let them do that. <laughs> That's good. So you, so you start, when, when did that start? You said in the 90s? No, 2001, right after September 11. So we went uh-huh. from one hour a week to multiple hours a week. And in 2011, we came to Dallas to start a 24-7 broadcast. And okay. that's what we do right now. And, and so want- how do you – so you, you you said something already about phones being blocked, yeah. right? The Iranian government does what they can. So can the Iranian government not block satellite transmission? No, no satellite no. signal comes from the sky. They cannot stop it. It's not a local transmission. It's a satellite. And with a cheap, small dish, you can receive it for free. We don't charge. So okay. – they try to jam it uh, by put, putting up uh, jamming towers, but they only can jam a neighborhood. They can't jam the whole the whole country. So that's okay. unstoppable in, in a way. So it can be jammed, but it's it's not it's not easy to do. It's, no. They can only do it in very small locations, and it's pretty expensive to that's do right. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes so. So you have trouble inter- interacting with people via phone calls, but you know you can get the message in. Now t- technology has opened doors. Yeah, it's it's a technological wars, a war. And at, at times during these twenty years, there were times that they could really impact our communication. But then the new technologies come. Right now, through secure social media, we are pretty much in, ch- in touch with people and both two way communication. And they cannot catch up. They have to be careful, but uh, they're pretty safe. So right now, even phone calls through uh, an application called WhatsApp, people call, and it's pretty safe. Okay. Yeah. So are, so are they using things like Facebook and Twitter to talk with you, and it's very, it's secure because of those? Facebook or is are blocked. Using other medias? No, Twitter and Facebook totally blocked. Those who access it is through VPN. Through they have to be uh, savvy, you know, technological savvy to bypass the government. The, okay. Facebook. Our, you know, Facebook in general is blocked in Iran, but it's the most uh, accessed website in Iran. People. Love- <laughs> <laughs> well, using alternative VPNs is becoming much more popular in America. And probably all of the podcasts that I listen to are now advertising some kind of VPN switcher. Like yeah. it, se- it seems like this is going to be pretty normal technology yeah. just in the next few years. Exactly. And technology is uh, advancing and it's becoming cheaper, you know, yeah. like a secure communication. Six, seven years ago, we, we wanted that. We wanted a chat, secure chat, secure meeting, like what we are doing. Um, and a company gave us like six, $7,000 a month to provide for that. We couldn't afford it, of course. But what they offer, offered for that much six months, uh, six years ago, now it's free. Right. Uh, for listeners that don't know what uh, a VPN is or switching VPN, it's a technology that allows you to make your computer seem like it's in a different location. So if you were in Iran, you could use an alternate VPN to tell the internet that you weren't in Iran, but you were in France. And then Facebook's now open to you because your computer is saying it's in like a different place and it allows you to not be governed. People use it for like Netflix. There's a diff- totally different Netflix in India then in America, what shows are available or in England. And so by getting your computer to say it's in England, you can watch all the England Netflix shows rather than just the American ones. But you can see that some of these technologies are actually being used by ministries to reach people that were uh, that otherwise were inaccessible to us. 
Man, that, that's right. The war, the technological war, they try everything to stop it, and the, but the technology is advancing. And you know, on the other side, Nick, such an amazing openness. Not many people know. May, may I shock your audience with a few statements? Absolutely. Okay. Please do. <laughs> Did you know Iran has the fastest growing evangelical population in the world? Not me claiming it. It's uh, uh, Operation World, that research, mission research ministry has put Iran as the fastest growing with 19.6% in um, growth of Christianity per year. Did you know that Iran, you know, Islam is experiencing its greatest defeat in its history in Iran today? And did you know Jeremiah 49, 38, it tells us that Iran will be a Christian country. He says, I will set my throne in Elam. He promises Elam is totally a part of Iran today. So when he, Jeremiah 49, 38, when he says, I will set my throne in Elam, what does that mean, setting my throne? It doesn't mm -hmm. mean just many Christians. Of course, it includes that. It doesn't mean many churches. Of course, it includes that. You know, I'm a, we live in Dallas and this is a Christian nation. We, you see mega churches every corner, so many churches. But even in Dallas, I don't think Jesus can say, say I rule Dallas. So it's not just the number of Christians or churches. Iran will be transformed by the power of the gospel. Jesus will rule and be worshipped and obeyed in every aspect of society, in media, education, in marketplace, in uh, government, Every in every segment, we will see Jesus be the Lord. That's what Jeremiah forty nine thirty eight says. So Iran will be a Christian country. Can you believe it? And we are moving in that direction very fast, very fast. Mm -hmm. Iran Iranians as a nation have rejected Islam. They're done with Islam. People are looking around, and whoever gets to them first will have their hearts. Unfortunately, the cults are very busy in Iran because Iranians love Christ and Christianity. Anybody talks about Christ, uses the word Christ and Christianity, people will gather. Okay, what, what is it? Tell us. And they have no discernment between cults and the true Christianity. And it is our job. Now we have the media to do it, to tell the truth, bring the truth to Iran. Now I want to encourage... Uh, Listeners, would you pray for Iran? It's a revival happening. And would you pray that you would, you, your church would help and or would join us broadcasting? But when I say help, doesn't mean just financially, even though that's appreciated. More than that, prayer and be involved. Broadcast. I have some, we have some um, ministries broadcasting with us. On the other side, people are so hungry. Americans who broadcast with us and we do the dubbing and translation. But this is a call to action. A nation is ready for Christ. If we work together, Iran will be the first Islamic nation that turns to Christ. It is already happening. But if we work together, we will see that in our lifetime. It's happening. So amazing. Now, of course, we are sharing the gospel, but Jesus is doing the work. He is appearing to them, Nick, in visions, dreams, miracles happening all the time. 
it's it's amazing how uh, people uh, for them for Iranian Muslims seeing a vision or dream or seeing a miracle for, from Jesus that's a normal that's a part of daily life it's they're not shocked uh, may I share one story with you there's so many I will, I will share when I uh, do the message uh, for LifePoint for the for the church but let me uh, put this um, you know. All the, I, you know, I have so many, so many testimonies come to my mind of oh miracles, uh, visions, dreams. But let me tell you this one: I had a live broadcast, and this man called, and uh, uh, I'm trying to imitate him. Uh, he, he was saying um, he was reporting a miracle. He said, Pastor Hormoz, I had a liver problem three months ago. I called you. You prayed for my liver. My liver was totally healed. He was cut off, like reporting, no emotions, monotone, not excited. So on this side, I was excited. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus heals, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. And he said, then I prayed for others. I had a friend who had cancer. I prayed for his cancer in Jesus' name, and his cancer was healed. Again, no emotions on that side. Me. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus heals cancers. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then he said, I had a relative. She had tumor in her brain. And I prayed for her tumor. And the tumor was gone. Praise Jesus. He heals tumors. So it went for a few minutes of his testimonies. No emotions. Monotone. And I am excited. So he got frustrated with me. You know what he said, Nick, at the end? He said, mm. Pastor Hormoz, why are you so excited? Have you read your Bible? <laughs> he admonished me. He said, oh, it's in the Bible. Of course it should happen. It should happen. And Jesus is gracious. Jesus is gracious to Muslims. Extra grace is extended to Muslims these days. And I feel sometimes Nick God is telling me and telling us, Christians, what else do you want me to do? I died for Muslims. I love them. I'm making personal appearance to them. I've done everything I could. I've opened their hearts towards the gospel. Would you do one thing I ask you? Just share the gospel. I ask you only do one thing, and that's our job. Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. Yeah, I, it's amazing when you talk to people who believe that God will act in those ways. And he sort of does, he just does. And it's so, it's so much fun to hear it. And then you think, I wish I, I feel like I should be more like that. You know, I, it's, yeah, it's, can be very, it's encouraging, but also really convicting experience, you know? That's right. Amen. Jesus is Jesus. He does whatever he wants. I mean, I, some people believe in miracles. Some don't. I, I, I say Jesus is free. He's he's not in my theological box. He he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> so um, one of the things that Christians believe, probably I think rightly, biblically speaking, is that God wants to create local churches when he brings people to Christ. And yet in Iran, that's very difficult to do, right? And so your ministry is trying to bring people together around digital content that is brought in through satellites, but what is the state of the Iranian church yeah. in its ability to be local churches right. and to fellowship with each other and equip people? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's that's the heart of God. Uh, 
building churches are closed in Iran. A house church, being a part of house church is a high crime. And if you, they find out you have a house church or you are a part of house church, you get five to 10 years just being a part of it. So uh, it's impossible. And uh, we call ourselves, you know, people think us as media ministry, but I see ourselves as more of a church planting ministry. Media for us is just a beginning. It's not the end. And our track record, we have, that's what we have done the last 18 years. Through media, people come to Christ. We bring them and train them online, form online groups, and sometimes face-to-face. -face. I bring the leaders outside Iran because I cannot go to Iran. So I some face-to-face -face training, some online. But the end result has been and is house churches. We are, we are using media to plant house churches and help them to multiply. So that's the end product. It's not just converts or TV believers just sitting in front of TV and uh, listening to sermons, which is not bad, but not enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our that's what we have right now in America. And it is very difficult for people to grow in their faith just watching TV, you know? Yeah. So, um, can you want to, is there, is there, is there anything you want to share about this ministry during the pandemic? How, COVID-19 has affected Iran and how that has affected yeah. the well, ministry in Iran. Well, I'm, I'm glad to share that. Pandemic in Iran is a part of um, other events the last six months. Six months ago, uh, or eight months ago in November, they started uh, some protests because of the economy and, and the government started killing. So suffering, killing, killing people on the streets. Then there was a shutting down of an airplane by mistake, a passenger plane they killed, and they did not apologize. See the attitude of the government. And then the pandemic, the corona crisis came, and the government showed the true face that they do not care. So all of this together has brought a new revival, a new wave of salvations in, in Iran. These days we are getting more I call it like a surge in the number of salvations. Uh, we have never had this many before over the last 18 years. Always people were calling. Yes, daily, weekly, monthly. The people are coming to Christ. But now we are seeing a surge. People are hungry. Let me show you just a recent, uh, you know, we started a live prayer meetings during the pandemic. And when we started doing live uh, online broadcasts, um, I would say, you know, we, we prayed for an hour, and then I would say, open the lines uh, or look at social media and whatever. Tell me what people are asking. What's the number one prayer request? And let's pray for that. First time I was shocked. I'm not shocked anymore. This is like last month, first time. I've expected people say, oh, economy is bad. I'm sick and, uh, and Corona and whatever problem they have, marriage, addiction. But did you know I had... A, a team of people, different social media posts, you know, they were watching and answering all these. And I said, what, what, what's the number one request you're getting? What's the number one request you're getting? Consistently, they were saying, number one request is how do I become a Christian? In the midst of all the miserable or miserable life and misery. So this is what's happening in Iran today. We dedicated the month of May for evangelism. We not only broadcast evangelistic 
broadcast programs, but we we trained other believers in Iran go out and share the gospel. Thousands, we just finished the month, thousands came to Christ that we know of that told us because of that. And one of one one person uh, went out, you know, we taught him, this is how what you do, this is what you say, this is what you do. And this guy went out and started sharing the gospel. He he got so excited, he said, I didn't know it's so easy. Just this simple message. I shared people come to Christ. He is out of control. He is addicted to evangelism. That's what he tells me. He said, I've led more than 40 people to Christ just the month of May, and I cannot stop, and nobody can stop me. So the, the hunger for the Word of God, the hunger for, uh, for knowing and loving Jesus, the hung, a hunger for obedience and sharing the gospel, they are inside of Iran. In the West, I'm not one of badmouth Christianity in the West. This is awesome. But, you, you know, it's so hard to mobilize people for evangelism in the West. Share the gospel with your friend, with your, uh, with your brother, with your family members, with your neighbor. It's so hard. Very few people do. But mm-hmm. for them, you just equip them and nobody can stop them. And that's what's happening in Iran, a surge in the number of salvations. So do you think that that is the state of life in Iran coupled with the vibrancy of faith among these believers. And those two have created a a moment of God's revival that is just sweeping through the country. Or do you think it's like, it's more than that? What what do you think? Well, there are other elements, of course. uh, uh, I would say one of the big one is the supernatural life change. Supernatural, we always uh, think of uh, healing, visions, dreams. Yes, that was supernatural. But the supernatural life change, amazing. Somebody comes to Christ without a pastor, without a counselor, without a teacher. Their lives are so dramatically changed that the whole family takes note. They say, what happened to you? What happened to you? You changed. I want what you have. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's what's happening in Iran. It doesn't sound like you're you, you're saying that there's a lot of government interference that people are allowed people as long as they're relatively careful and working through um, relational connections, they can share the gospel fairly freely. Is that just because the government just doesn't have a lot of reach? That it's very authoritarian, but it doesn't have spies everywhere. It doesn't have control everywhere. Well, and they, so do, the they do have they do have that. But this method, you share the gospel with your friends and family members more than uh, strangers. So it's okay. number one, reach out to people you do know. And that's that's rather safe. Okay. Yeah. Amen. Well, I want to I want to share, I want to ask, uh, you know, people who want to hear more testimonies, those who want to mm-hmm. be connected to us, want to be in touch with me, an easy mm-hmm. way to do that is to text the word Iran, I-R-A-N, to a number. Just text it. I'll send you uh, several links. You can watch testimonies. You can subscribe to newsletter if you want. So just text I-R-A-N to this number, 74784. 74784. So when you want to text somebody, you put their phone number. Don't put the phone number. Put just 74784. And text the word I-R-A-N, I-R-A-N, and you get a set of links, and you go from there. You know more about us, and if you want to join to transform a nation, and when Iran falls, it's like a domino. The whole Middle East will be impacted. 
Yeah, that's great. So that 74784, text Iran to that number, 74784. Yeah, that's the easiest way to be in touch. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, some of the questions that that my team have for me to ask you are um, issues related to trying to reach out to Muslims here. You know, people people who are right here in our neighborhoods or at our universities who come from Islamic background countries, some Iranian, some of very other backgrounds. So it, obviously we can stipulate the fact that Islam is a transcultural religion. So the cultural backgrounds of any particular Muslim might be a little bit different, but there are some things you can say generally. What are some of the things that we should learn in the American church about knowing Muslims, learn, you know, ministering, speaking to them about the gospel? Yeah, as you mentioned, our Muslims are not the same. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you know uh, where they are in their spiritual walk and where they're from, many times I just know where are you from. Like Iranians, most of them already done with Islam. You don't have to <laughs> talk about mm -hmm. Islam. Talk about Christ and life and maybe God in general and religion. So that would really help to know their background. But if I want to give you some general guidelines, I would say the greatest power we have is the power of love to break through through islam um, because if you say i have a bible they say oh, i have a quran you say jesus they say we have a we have muhammad whatever they you say of course there is no match but they that's what they would say but when you talk about love in islam allah has 99 names not one is love love you know islam is a is a spirit of fear and violence. And antidote is, is love. The perfect love casts us fear. So I would say love would be number one. When I talk to Muslims in America, if you do that yourself, research, you ask Muslims who came to Christ in America, number one reason they gave for their conversion, there was an American Christian who loved me, who showed love to me. That's mm -hmm. the most powerful thing, just loving them genuinely. And they feel that when you're, when you're genuine. And they would, and uh, I would say uh, that's, that's number one. Number two is just uh, living a holy life because they, they think Christians are immoral. They have sexual sins freely. They drink, they get drunk, and just uh, living a moral life, they will have questions. What? You're not like others. That's not what, you, what I thought. Uh, but showing love would be, especially in America. I was talking to a, a lady, um, a Muslim lady with scarf, you know, with covering, with covering. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I uh, want to understand her life in America. You know what she told me? She said, you have never experienced what I've experienced. When I go to a store, to shop with my Islamic covering, I feel those heavy looks of disapproval. I I I can feel people, and nobody comes to talk to me and show me kindness. So he, she said, when a Christian did, when a Christian comes forward and asks me about my life, you know, that's another thing. Just ask. You don't have to tell. First ask. Um, that would be another principle. Ask about their lives. Ask about their God. And one thing about uh, Middle Eastern or uh, Islamic culture is uh, is that you can talk about God right away. That's okay. 
in America, it's, it's not, it's anti-cultural. In America, you meet somebody, you just, just don't jump, talk about God. But it's normal among those cultures. Oh, tell me about Islam. What do you think about God? That's normal. They're not going to, they're not going to be surprised if you ask them. Actually, you're bringing up a, a topic of interest to them. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, what about um, the concept of hospitality? I mean, obviously that that dovetails very nicely with what you've said. Do you think using your home as a place of hospitality, inviting people to come to your house, or accepting whatever invitations you might receive, yeah. is a critical part of it, or do you think it's accepting just a normal an invitation is good, but inviting? I just want to warn uh, you that on the other side, there are many kinds of Islam. Just last week, I was teaching a seminar on Muslim evangelism. And the person said, but, but you know, but I, I, they invited me. I went there, but I invite them. They don't come. They don't come. I said, I understand that. They see you and your place unclean. They don't want to come to an unclean place. So uh, not all Muslims feel that way. There's some who, mm-hmm. even when you go to their house, maybe not without you knowing, after you leave, they're going to wash whatever you touched. There are Muslims like that. Again, not all of them are like that, but that's extreme. Who would wash everything? You're, they won't touch it. So you're unclean. But coming to your house, not coming to your house, that might be the reason. But go to their Thank house. <laughs> um. So you're gonna you're gonna be speaking on the twenty first, either a recorded message or live at yeah. High Point, so two Sundays from now. One of the things we've been doing in our services is at the end of the service, we have a, an Ask Me Anything portion where the preacher gets questions from the people watching in the online audience. We're hoping to have you for that live if possible. So we'll see if that works out. If not, then maybe we can have a follow-up podcast about questions people might want to ask you. Either way, whatever is good for you. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to cover um, in our time together? Well, There's exciting I, ministry happening in Islam, in in, uh, in Iran, and in other places among Muslims. Well, I appreciate that. I just want to invite everybody to the church and the, the broad, uh, broadcast, and I will be there, and I, I'm going to share a message, and I'm going to answer some questions. Just uh, let me know how I can do that. Great. So remember, he... Uh, um, Dr. Sharia said that if you want to get some links that will tell you more about a ministry in Iran, you should text the word Iran to 74784, 74784. And then the the ministry that he works with is um, IranAliveMinistries.org. So you just IranAliveMinistries.org. And there's um, some videos on the website that tell you a little bit about the ministry, some testimonies, some information that you can get to acquaint yourself with the ministry that they're doing. So, uh, Dr. Shreya, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of comments on this video. This, some of the things you said about just being an immigrant and loving America and understanding people wanting justice in their country and demonstrating, even some of the things you said about Christians demonstrating um, and saying what's wrong with their country, but not, not adding hate to hate, I think is really timely for those of us who are trying to do ministries of justice in the United States, much less trying to reach international students or people in Iran with the gospel. So I think on a lot of levels, this could be really helpful for our listeners. So I really appreciate your presence. God bless you, Pastor Nick. Looking forward to seeing you even face-to-face someday soon. Thanks so much. God bless. Bye-bye.
for listening to this episode of the Engage and Equip podcast. If you have a podcast idea or a question you'd like answered on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. If you'd like to find more episodes, you can go online to highpointchurch.org slash podcast. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, and other apps like that. We hope this episode was helpful to you as you grow in becoming a more substantive disciple and a part of the local church. If this episode was helpful to you, rate or review us on Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. Those are some of the best ways we have to reach new listeners. Until next time, thanks for listening to this episode of Engage and Equip.